Welcome to Becoming Boundary, the podcast that teaches you how to say yes to the space you need and the connection you crave. I'm your host, Krista Resnick. I'm a master life coach and boundary expert for women. I'm also a sought-after speaker and mother to three adultish sons. It wasn't that long ago that I was a boundary disaster. My time never felt like my own. I couldn't set a boundary and speak my truth. And my most important relationships suffered greatly. Fast forward to today, and I've successfully coached thousands of women to heal from their people-pleasing patterns and step into true freedom and confidence. I created Becoming Boundary to help you do the same. Be sure to tune in for tips and tools from me, interviews with other incredible coaches and therapists and speakers, plus one-on-one live coaching calls and so much more. If you're ready to start setting healthy boundaries so you can create the space you need and the connection you crave, then you're in the right space. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this solo pod. Today, we are going to talk about fawning. I am so excited to unpack this topic with you because it has such personal um, meaning to me. It was something that I struggled with greatly but I didn't know I struggled with it. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I'm really excited to share this information with you today because I know the impact. I know the beautiful results that I was able to receive in my life when I understood what I'm going to share with you and when I was able to slowly start healing my own fawning pattern. Before we do that, I have a small, well, not really a small, a a big announcement, something I'm so excited to share with you. And that is my five-day workshop, Free to Be, Overcome People Pleasing, Build Better Boundaries, and Stay True to You is happening on September 19th through the 23rd. We are going to be meeting via Zoom every single day at noon Central Standard Time. And what we're actually going to be doing is we're going to be unpacking this fawning stress response at a deeper level. Perhaps you are just tired of living in this constant state of guilt anxiety, exhaustion, people-pleasing, overwhelm, and you're really craving to start creating the high-integrity life and business that you desire. So I would invite you to join Free to Be, which is actually a free (laughs) five-day experience for females who know that they are destined to lead, but really struggle with the fear, with the overwhelm that comes with fawning. And fawning, we're going to unpack it more in this episode today, is people-pleasing. 
placating, appeasing, wanting to really take on a role that it's sort of like, who do you need me to be in this situation so that I can get this conflict to go away? All of the details will be in the link that I share in the show notes, so you can check it out. The sooner you join, the more you actually have access to receive live coaching from me. So we're going to do some live coaching before the workshop even gets started on the 19th. So again, the faster you join, the more you have access to take advantage of that beautiful opportunity. We're going to have a Facebook group so that all of us who are participating in the five-day experience can be connecting, can be sharing our ahas, and encouraging and supporting one another while we are immersing ourselves in the content and taking the steps that are necessary and needed to really resource our nervous system so that we can start showing up, standing in our power, speaking our truth, and really being who we are authentically meant to be. So again, link in show notes. I am so excited to be able to support you in this beautiful five-day experience. All right. As you all know, it is no secret that I love boundaries. But years ago, I started to notice that boundaries were much more nuanced and complicated than simply saying no, than simply just standing there with my memorized script. You know, conceptually from my mind, I understood boundaries. Many times I even recognized when I needed to set a boundary. And I even received training in nonviolent communication to deliver my boundaries in a much more loving and connected way. But there was a missing piece. When conflict arose, I immediately, subconsciously, it was like, I wasn't even conscious it was, it was happening. So immediately when conflict arose, I would go into my people-pleasing strategy and I would acquiesce. I would trade in my values for the sake of someone else's. And I often tripped over my own personal boundaries for the sake of another's approval. I had so much discomfort in my own body that I could barely stand it. I strove for perfection. I had to make sure that whatever I was doing, I was doing it right. And when I didn't, my self-talk was destructive to the point of being debilitating. What I discovered through my own personal journey, my own research, my own embodiment of this work is that healing, people-pleasing, and codependency are a lot deeper and more complex than just say no and just set a boundary. You might be familiar with flight, fight, and freeze trauma responses, but there's an additional trauma response that doesn't get as much publicity. 
And that response is called fawn. And it's often the root of what people-pleasing and codependency are all about. And I believe if you really want to heal your boundaries, we have got to go to the root. So that's what we're going to do in today's episode is we're going to go to the root and really understand what is actually stopping you from setting the boundaries that you probably know you need to set. And fawning is not the only thing blocking you, but it is the thing that is so essential to understand. And once you do this, oh my gosh, Like when I started to really understand fawning and my nervous system, I'm just like, why doesn't everybody know this? Why aren't we taught this in elementary school? Like this is foundational for every single human to understand. It's that important, I believe. So let's dive in with what exactly is fawning? People-pleasers and codependents despise conflict. And conflict to someone who fawns can look like anything from actual external conflict with another person, something happening in our external world, to internal conflict, which often looks like negative emotions, lots of mind chatter, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, guilt for not stepping in to assist, support, help someone, fear of looking selfish, and pushback from trying to set a boundary. So that's all the ways, and, and there's probably more, that internal conflict can really show up for many of us. The bottom line is that you will deny your own personal truth in an attempt to make those you feel dependent on more comfortable and more cared about. This avoidance of conflict begins early on in childhood, more than likely, yes, I say it all the time, with parents or caregivers. Are you starting to understand or see the pattern here that most everything, and I can really stand convicted in that, almost everything goes back to our childhood. That's where it all gets started. It is the responsibility of parents to provide a safe enough environment to allow children to express their feelings, the comfortable feelings and the uncomfortable, unpleasant feelings. And when children feel supported and seen, they recognize that these stressful experiences only last for so long. And what happens is over time, kids build resilience and they begin to empower themselves to navigate through life and stress and the conflict that does in fact arise in life, work, relationships. However, when parents are emotionally withholding, when they're controlling, judgmental, or 
abusive, children will either become explosive themselves or they will begin to disconnect from their big feelings. Children will also learn that they're responsible for managing their parents' moods and emotions. It's like, okay, I see that mommy and daddy are upset. I've got to do something about that because it's really uncomfortable for me. I don't know how to be with these big emotions because nobody is modeling that for me. Those big emotions aren't welcome in this household. And I must have done something wrong. If they're upset, it must be me because that's what our little minds will do as children is we make meaning out of these circumstances and situations. And so that's where we really begin the strategy of subordinating, walking on eggshells, placating, and appeasing at the detriment of our own personal well-being. Oftentimes I refer to this as self-abandonment. We will abandon ourselves in order to placate and appease someone else. And this is what is known as the fawn response. So the fawn response really involves people-pleasing to the degree that an individual disconnects from their own emotions, sensations, and needs. And this makes sense, right? Because children recognize that there's a part of themselves that, you know, doesn't feel safe to share their authentic emotions like fear, anger, sadness, so that they can avoid the rejection, the wrath, the cruelty sometimes from the parent or the caregiver. Often children will begin to turn their negative feelings toward themselves because that's what we do. So that's where a lot of this self-criticism, self-loathing, even to the extreme of self-harming behaviors can start to occur. Now, in adulthood, an unresolved fawn response will be the foundation for codependence, depression, people-pleasing, or somatic symptoms that we feel in the body of pain and illness. This was my life story. I felt responsible for everyone else's moods and emotions. If someone was upset, it must have been my fault. I did something wrong. I took everything personally, which drove me to have this awful self-criticism, really harmful self-talk. And I shut down from vulnerability. Vulnerability wasn't an option. It wasn't on the table for me because vulnerability felt unsafe. I had to shut down from my feeling body as a child due to judgment, shame, rejection. So, of course, the thought of opening myself up to being vulnerable was terrifying. So this was really the crux of my inability to set a boundary. I had 
such a little amount, if really anything, in what I call my self-love tank, my self-worth tank. No one was mirroring back to me that I was enough, that I was important, that I was worth spending time with. I was always being told that, you know, my emotions were too big, too much, to not shine too bright, to be quiet and sit down. Children were to be seen and not heard and then enter, you know, the sometimes fun (laughs) experiences of elementary school and middle school and high school and lots of experiences there, lots of opportunities for me to have these limiting beliefs played out in real time by my peers, by teachers, and I just didn't feel smart enough. I didn't feel worthy enough. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel like I mattered. So of course, I would struggle to set a boundary. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I needed. I wasn't building the foundation of my life on anything steadfast. So when these circumstances would happen in my life where there was a little bit of conflict, it felt so excruciating to my system. I I just, I couldn't handle it. So immediately I would jump into walking on eggshells, subordinating, placating, people-pleasing. I needed other people's approval and acceptance in order to feel approved of so that I could feel safe, psychologically safe. I used control and approval both, like they were drugs, constantly manipulating, managing my external circumstances so that my nervous system would feel regulated and at ease. Pete Walker, a psychotherapist, was the pioneer in defining fawning. So you've probably heard the terms flight, fight, or freeze, which are trauma responses. And Walker coined a fourth F. And he states that this response is developed in childhood to avoid mistreatment from adults. Fawning responses can be any number of things, and mostly you're going to see it coined as the people-pleasing response. But what I think is important to consider about fawning strategies is at the root, and I really want you to sit with this, At the root of fawning strategies is really a nervous attempt to deflect attention. So this can also mean flattery, not really knowing yourself. This can mean not knowing what your preferences are. This can mean perfectionism. Admission to toxic relationships or complete destruction of personal boundaries. So, if you've struggled to identify with the people pleasing response, maybe you're like, yeah, that doesn't land for me. It is possible that fawning for you has shown up 
looking just a little bit different. I don't believe that the fawn response is always outwardly focused. I believe that sometimes fawning can actually be a bit inwardly focused, which would look like minimizing the impact that you have on the world and those around you. I know that I did that when I was a young mom. I didn't really understand the impact and the leadership that I had the opportunity to lean into as a young mom. I minimized, I smallified myself. So fawners can look like they're strong and they're capable. A lot of times this can be correlated with perfectionism, you know, having it all together. I like to call that having all of their T's crossed, all of their I's dotted. And what's really happening underneath all of that is that they're covering up their insecurity by their competence, by their perfectionism, by their having to get it right, by their degrees, by their accolades, by how much and what they know. So perfectionism can actually be used as this disguise to not let anyone see that they actually do have needs. I see this with my clients time after time after time. It's like, well, I don't have any needs. Needs? What do you mean? Here's why. Needs equal vulnerability. And remember, I shared with you my own personal story how vulnerability was like death. (laughs) To a fawner, vulnerability is dangerous ground because remember, vulnerability doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel safe. So fawners are often happy and willing to adjust and be flexible because unconsciously there's this belief that the price they must pay for relational security is compliance. We have to go along to get along. And someone actually setting a boundary can be very triggering for someone who fawns because a fawner rarely, if ever, puts themselves first and Boundaries are almost unheard of in their own life. So when somebody else sets a boundary, well, the fawner, from their perspective, they're going to see that as, that's just so selfish. How could they be so rigid? How could they be so inflexible? It can actually be taken as far as to be seen as abandonment by a fawner. It's like, well, who do they think they are to abandon me and set this boundary with me? So let's talk a little bit about whether or not maybe you show the fawn response in your life. So again, as I said in the very beginning, I didn't realize that I had the fawn response until I started dipping my toe into this work. And that is why this episode in particular is so, so important to me. That is why the five-day challenge workshop, Free to Be, is so important to me. I have put so much loving um, thought and care and effort 
into this five-day workshop because I know that working with this stress response is so essential to the healing process. And so I really feel passionate about sharing that with you all so that you also have the opportunity to start to choose something different and really come from your higher, authentic self. So a little fun story for you. You know, as I was learning and being trained in this work several years ago, I happened to also be attending a weekend conference with a friend. And there was a certain seating situation where she got upset with me. And like a little observer on my shoulder, I watched myself. So I'm learning this information. And so it's all kind of in the back of my mind about fawning and, you know, the nervous system. And when this conflict arose, I immediately watched myself go into the fawning pattern. It was the coolest thing. It was such a great opportunity. It was like there was a little me sitting on my own shoulder and it was mind blowing and life changing for me in that moment. Because of what happened in that moment is I began to recognize that anytime there was conflict in my life, I put my own values and needs aside I immediately self-abandoned to make others feel better. I felt this overwhelming responsibility to make others happy. And then what would happen is a few days later, a few weeks later, I would notice the resentment pop up. And the way that I noticed the resentment pop up was when that individual that I had a conf prior conflict with, when they would text me, when they would call me, when they would want to spend time with me, my immediate response was avoidance. I wanted to avoid them. And that's how I was able to start to piece some of this together. So do you think that perhaps you may fall into the fawning pattern? I want you to really consider that question. I invite you to really think back. Could be something current, could be something that happened this morning, yesterday, last week, a year ago. But I want you to think back to a time that conflict has happened in your life. And I invite you to sit with the following questions. Do you feel resentful towards certain relationships? Do you notice that you tend to avoid certain people or relationships? Do you feel empty in relationships after giving too much of yourself? Do you avoid conflict at all costs? Do you feel everybody else's emotions in the room? Do you think you are responsible for making everybody happy? Do you put aside your own needs to accommodate others? Do you struggle to ask for help or support? If you answered yes or more to at least two of those questions, it is likely that your default is the fawn response. So now that you know, how do you stop 
this pattern? How do you heal the fawn stress response? The very first thing that we need to do is we need to notice it. We cannot change that in which we are not aware. So the first step always has to be awareness. With fawning, we often don't even notice we're doing it because it's so habitual. It's so reactive, reflexive. So it's going to be essential that you are aware of when you are fawning or about to step into fawning. Whenever you find that you are triggered or dysregulated, here are some things to consider. Why am I fawning right now? How is my fawning showing up right now? What are some of the behaviors I am using to express fawning? What's happening in my body? What do I actually want to do right now? Not how do I think I need to react? Asking yourself these questions will begin to help you notice the situations as to when and why you are moving into your familiar pattern of fawning. Number two, access your inner leader. Fawning requires that we disconnect from our emotions, our sensations, our needs, which is why coming back home to the body is an essential piece of the healing process. So if it feels safe for you to do this, I invite you to close your eyes and think about a relationship or a situation that feels relatively activating to you. Nothing that would put you over the charts, but something that's maybe moderate, maybe a four, five, six at the most. And as you're thinking about it, notice what is happening in your body. Is there a temperature increase? Is there a tightness happening somewhere? Is there a pressure forming behind the eyes? What's happening with your breath? What's happening in your throat? Most of the time, we simply aren't paying attention or we tend to numb and avoid these types of sensations. So staying with them is really key. Ask yourself, what does my body want me to know? What does this sensation or part of me need? Stay with this practice. It takes time. Eventually, you will be able to map how your emotions, your body, and your thoughts all work together to call upon your inner leader. Number three, express your truth. I know firsthand that fawning limits our capacity to speak our truth. We often find that the first thing we do as fawners is we self-censor. And remember, that was necessary for us so we could stay safe. We had to disconnect from our truth when we were young, when we were reliant on the big people, as I like to say, in our lives, the adults. Speaking truth may have meant rejection, shame, even abuse. So giving yourself the permission to speak your truth in a safe 
space is so therapeutic and empowering. So let's play pretend for a moment. Imagine that you could move to a magical world where you were able to express and say exactly what you wanted and needed to say. No repercussions. Your expressions, your truth were only met with acceptance and grace. What exactly is it that you would like to say? So I want you to grab your journal and a pen and actually take some time and write this out. Let it be messy. Let it be loud. Let it be inappropriate, unbridled. Let whatever come up within arise. Do not self-censor. This is your chance to say what needs to be said, to speak your truth. Remember, nobody's going to read this. It's just you and you. So if this is a hard process for you, this was for me when I first got started, I want to provide some sentence stems to help get you started. So some examples are, when you hurt me, I felt, and then of course you fill in the blank. The worst thing you said or did was, what I was most afraid of was, what I wish I had said to you then, but never told you was, what you could never take from me is, I am angry because, I feel guilty because, what I want you to know about me now is, I'm strong now because. This emotional release exercise can bring up a lot, yet at the same time, it can be really empowering. Remember to be kind toward yourself. You're doing this to stay safe. To avoid those feelings of shame, of criticism, of judgment, humiliation, rejection. One of the ways we can offer ourselves the utmost grace and compassion is to also remember that when you were a child, you needed to fawn as a way to stay safe. But as an adult, you can now set boundaries. You can tend to your needs to support yourself. I promise you, I know this might seem like a lot right now. But this process gets easier the more you practice and embody this new way of being. And these three tools will help if you stay consistent with them. Lastly, offer yourself gratitude for being willing to heal this pattern so you can show up in your power, in your truth, and live a life where you stay true to you. I trust that you will find this episode helpful. I'm so grateful that you were willing to take the time out of your busy schedule, your busy life, and learn and grow and understand the fawn stress or trauma response was so essential in my healing journey, and I hope that it is in yours as well. I cannot wait to see and support many of you in the free-to-be workshop. Again, the link for that will be in the show notes. And one last final reminder, I know I say this often, I do not profess to understand how the ways of the World Wide Web operate, but I do know that when people share and download and rate and review the podcast, it gets thrown into the mix-up of the algorithm. Somehow, some way, the podcast tends to get 
more seen by other folks just like you who might be wanting to learn and to grow and to understand some of the things that we talk about here on the Becoming Boundaried podcast. So if you would take a moment and just kindly give us a rating and review, that would be so, so helpful. All right, friends, always remember today and every day to stay true to you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode or you're a fan of the Becoming Boundaried show, the best way you can show your support is to share it on your social media outlets and with your family and friends. And if you're feeling really generous, we would love for you to hop on over to iTunes and give us a review. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this community. Have an amazing week and as always, stay true to you.